Hey everyone, welcome back to the Go-Getters podcast. It's your host, Richie Burke, and we have a special episode for you today. We've taken the podcast on the road. I'm currently in the green room of the newly renovated AmFam Amphitheater here at Summerfest that has received 51.3 million in renovations over the last few years, all from private funding. Finally done, ready to go for this year. And as many of you know, Summerfest is back and will be taking place over the span of three Thursday through Saturday weekends in September this year, also including Wednesday night headliners here at the amphitheater. But a lot of you are wondering, what will this look like coming out of a pandemic? What can you expect with these new upgrades? What was it like for the team here at Milwaukee World Festival to pull all of this together and make Summerfest happen in 2021? And what will the impact be on the city of Milwaukee? We'll be diving into this and more. With me today, I've got the Bob Babish, VP of Entertainment, who has been booking Summerfest for the last 44 years. Bob, God. welcome. Hey, Richie, how you doing? You seem very excited by that intro. 44 years? Damn. <laughs> A very accomplished <laughs> gentleman over here. Um, also, we've got Jason Stewie, the VP of Planning and Development, who had a huge role in making the new amphitheater happen, who's been with Summerfest for 16 years, not quite 44, but but a decent chunk of time. Jason, good to see you. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Richie. Thanks for having me. I've got shirts older than him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the amphitheater, it opened in 1987. It cost a total of $12 million to build the entire thing. As I said, we just made upgrades. You've just made upgrades. I had nothing to do with it. You guys just made upgrades of 51.3 million dollars over the last few years. Why now? And what can people expect experiencing this for the first time? You want to go? I mean, sure. I mean, we've been talking about this for years. Um, the the amphitheater's been something that we've been talking about renovating for at least the last five years. And getting through um, some of these upgrades were needed. I mean, the building was tired. It needed some um, some life, and it needed to be updated to be able to bring some of the bigger and better bands that Bob's been booking and um, making sure that we can continue to uh, provide the best entertainment quality for our patrons. You know, the technology of the of the business has changed dramatically through the years, right? I mean, in the old days, we had the old main stage on the north end of the grounds, and there were two iterations of that. The first one was just like a tent structure, and the second one looked kind of like a Kohl's food store, and it had a pipe going through it about 15 feet off the floor, and that's what held the whole thing together. So when bands started taking out sound and light systems that they wanted to fly, you could never do it because you couldn't go any higher than 12, 15 feet. You were burning, burning the back of the drummer's head when he was sitting on a drum riser, so it didn't work there. So we had to build the first amphitheater, the first version of the amphitheater, if you will, and it had a height of, what, 35 feet at the trim height? 39, yeah. And at, at, at that time, that was state-of-the-art. I mean, everybody brought a sound system in or a light system in, and they could fly it there, and it was not a problem at all because it fit perfectly. Through the years, technology, especially music business and production, changed and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. So now the biggest shows that are out there doing stadiums or even some of the indoor arenas needs at least 60 feet of clearance for their lake grid. And we were losing shows because of that, or they would come in and they try to jerry-rig their systems and it never worked. So when we started this conversation five years ago, we said, we need a couple of things. We need better technology for the bands, better, better production values for the bands. So when we did it, we raised that roof, what is it, 67 feet now? What? 68 feet, 
So we raised it 26 feet to 75 feet. 75 feet. So it's got the, uh, plenty of rigging so we can put a stadium show in there. It's got 19 dressing rooms, one star, on, star dressing room on the bottom floor, and then two floors of the rest of the dressing rooms. It's got nine loading bays in the back. The stage is huge. Jason will talk about all this, how the stage comes in and out, and I'll get out of that way. But it was time to, if we wanted to get shows of that caliber and that size, we had a had a change, and you saw it, you saw it with uh, the Foo Fighters with their big set that came in last week on a sold out show. You see it with a Hello Mega Tour, which is the first show going in here, which is Green Day Fallout Boy and Weezer, which is a stadium show everywhere but in Milwaukee. Guns and Roses is a stadium show in most places. So being able to fit some of those shows into our building, we couldn't be more excited about that. Absolutely, obviously a huge difference from the the band perspective, making your job easier, enabling you to bring bigger acts to Milwaukee. And the lineup this year really speaks to that. You could say it's arguably your best lineup in years. Yeah, thank you. Um, it, it was interesting when we went to the format of doing three weekends. First of all, this is the fourth version of Summerfest that we put together, right? We put summer of 2020 together, tore that down. Fall of 2020 together, tore that down. Summer of 21, tore that down. And here we are in fall of 21. And now, we, now it's going to take, we feel. And it's uh, the three weekend concept. So you have nine days, the, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday of the first three weekends in September. But then we wanted to do a couple things for added value. So we added those Wednesday night shows. So each week, week of the festival, there's a Wednesday night show, which is a lead into the Summerfest weekend. And then if you buy a ticket for one of those shows, which is Hell Omega one weekend, the Jonas Brothers another weekend, and Dave Matthews another weekend, that ticket is good for getting into Summerfest on any, any of the other days. And then we also wanted to punch up the daytime, so we added some daytime talent at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a national level. Not the biggest acts you're ever going to see, but national level acts that people are going to find added value in that ticket when they're going in. Yeah, and Bob, just, just to add on, you mentioned some of the names, also Luke Bryan, Chance the Rapper, 21 Pilot, Pilots, Chris Stapleton, Zach Brown, Dave Chappelle's coming. That's cool. How about I'm, that? I'm, huh? I'm looking forward to that. I'm First a First comic in the amphitheater. Yeah, Megan the Stallion, Miley, Guns N' Roses. And Jason, why don't Bob, Bob touched on booking bands. Why don't you touch on the, the patron experience? What can, what can people expect this year that's going to be different from past years? Right. I mean, so when fans used to come to this building, there was um, a, a little bit of a different experience because this building was one of the first um, shed buildings built in the country when we built it in the 80s. And there wasn't a lot of precedence or other ideas in the market for building these outdoor music venues. And it was kind of a trailblazer in that industry. So um, there were a lot of things that um, were built that probably could have been, been done differently. But as Bob said, everybody comes to shows, uh, whether the production's bigger, the, the sound, the lights are bigger and better. Um, everybody has different experiences. And as people started coming to shows uh, over the last 10 to 20 years, they started to realize that this building didn't necessarily have a lot of the amenities that it had before or that, or that other venues in the market would have. So... Um, we had some really tight concourses, some really long lines for bathrooms, and some tough concession opportunities um, in in the previous building that that we fixed throughout every single level of the con uh, every single level of the building at different price points, and made sure that we distributed amenities appropriately. I mean, previously, if you had a seat in the three hundred level bleachers, you had to travel down two flights of stairs just to grab a burger, and now we're able to uh, accommodate patron amenities at every single level at your price point. It's ADA accessible. We have bathrooms available, great views of the skyline. I mean, really the best view of the city. And uh, all of that is kind of incorporated at every price point, every level 
to make sure that we have amenities for everyone in this building. Yeah, and we got to walk around before coming on air. The improvements look amazing. It is going to be much easier to grab a beer and food. Those skyline views are are awesome. The raised ceiling, which you guys were talked about t- talked about before, obviously makes it a better experience from the for the band standpoint as well. And I know you guys really brought in the in the eight a team to help make this happen with EUA and uh, Mike Kinsella on the uh, signage over there. Oh, I like the Mike Kinsella reference. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, and, and Rich Tennyson, EUA friend of the show, all around great guy. Mike Kinsella, just a one man wrecking crew. So exactly. good. Good that you guys use Big Mike on that. Before you uh, you deflected my question a little bit, so again, 44 years of booking, this uh-huh. last two years, can you just explain what, what it's been like for you to kind of, with all the date changes and the pandemic and everything, and how you've been able to put together the lineup for this year? You know, surprisingly, you look at our if you looked at our schedule, the first version, the second version, the third version, and now, some of those acts stayed with us the whole time which we couldn't be more proud of because they like the venue. They like, they like playing here, not just amphitheater shows. Now I'm talking bands on the grounds. We had bands that stayed in that said, okay, we might pick up another date somewhere during the year. Do you have a problem? I said, no, as long as you stay in our lineup for the, the coming year. They stayed in. A lot of the bands that we have in the amphitheater stayed in. Some of them we lost into 2022. I mean, Justin Bieber's already announced he's going into 2022, but that's during Summerfest of 22, which is great. So we got to keep, keep that in. Um, and then we have some shows that, that in the middle of it decided they were going to work and we we thought we had the perfect lineup and they were going to do it. Then they came off and decided they didn't want to work. And as a few of those start to disappear, you realize, okay, maybe that version of your festival is not going to happen. You know, maybe you did, you had summer ready to go and you felt pretty smug about that being done. And then, then you take that in the fall and then a couple months before that's going to lock up. Bands are starting to say, ah, we're not going to work. We're worried about what's happening with the COVID world. We're going to stay away. And you start looking at that and going, okay, we realize it now that, it, that the whole thing is going to come tumbling down. A lot of bands are going to want to stay safe and go later. So uh, as a, this year during Summerfest, we got a bunch of big names that decided they wanted to work this fall. And we managed to pick them up. And uh, that's just sometimes the luck of the draw, you know. And sometimes losing them is also the unluck of the draw, if you will. But uh, so that, that worked out for us. But, you know, when you do the Summerfest lineup, just once again, the amphitheater is a separate animal. But when you look at the festival, you're trying to put together as an eclectic a lineup as you possibly can. So when, you, when we start this process, there's, there's four of us in our office. There's myself, Scott Zeal, Vic Thomas, Whit Laneberg, David Silba helps. And we have a grid that we put up. And the theory being, okay, you got all these major stages. We have all these budgets for all these bands. Now you got to make a point of trying not to have the same genre on the same day, right? Because you want to make, the theory's always been, it's a people's festival. There's music here for everybody, different styles, as opposed to when you go to, to Lala or one of those, it's not always as mixed. Now they're starting to, but we've always been that way. So you can have, you can have a hip hop show here and you can have a hard rock show here and you can have a country show here. You can have a classic rock. You go to different stages, you find different genres of bands, right? The problem is, is when you put it all together and all of a sudden there's a big name, band of a certain genre in the amphitheater, you have to put the brakes on and go, wait, I can't do that at 10 o'clock over here and spend all that money on that act because the amphitheater has the same genre of music. No one's going to go see this guy. So now you tear up that stage lineup for that day or you may start moving it around. So it, it's a chess match from when you start the process until you get to like a month and a half out. Everything's moving around. So you kind of do that four times when you, when you built it up and t- tore it down like we did during this festival. Yeah. So. 
In, in, I did read somewhere you typically start booking for the next year, essentially right after the festival ends in, in a normal year. What's, in a normal year, what's, yeah. What's this like? Obviously, this is happening in September. I'm, I'm assuming that Summerfest might be back to the normal dates next year. Right. You started We're booking going that back out in, at this point. Going back into June and July, same format of uh, weekends and really? shows on a okay. Wednesday. And uh, we probably have at least five amphitheater shows confirmed and done already. Nice. And ready to be announced, but you can't. You can't get into it, and this one's done, right? So you have this really small window this time when you think about it. You've got the end of September, and then you're going to open again in June. So, And it's not just us. I mean, look at, look at Lollapalooza. I mean, right. I don't know if – I think Lollapalooza might have canceled their fall dates now. I'm not sure. They, are they going forward in fall? I don't know. But they're back in May again or April or May or whenever they are. So it's crazy out there. Yeah, I can imagine. As far as, as, far as impact, so in a normal year, Summerfest brings in about – 850 to 900,000 people and has an economic impact around 180 to 200 million dollars on the city. What does this year look like from an attendance and impact standpoint over the three weekend type format in September? Well, it's really hard to say uh, how the numbers are going to suss out who's coming and who's not coming to the festival. You, you mean, you, there's so many pieces of it. There's weather, there's you know, how, how everything's going on in the world at the time. Um, amphitheater tickets are running in line of what we expected for us to have for this year. And we think we have a really hot lineup on the grounds. And we think those four o'clock acts are going to help. And we're going to keep our ticket prices down like we always do. And there's going to be promotions going on as we always do. So we're going to see how fall works. I mean, there are, there are kids back in, in Milwaukee going to college. So the schools are open, so we think that works. Get, you're not doing Mondays, Tuesdays, and, and Wednesdays on the Summerfest grounds, but Wednesday in the amphitheater. And sticking with the, the core best days, we feel that people want to go out. I think that's going to help us also. So uh, it's a conversation we should have in October. We'll see how we do. Hey, everyone. It's your host, Richie Burke. And thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Go-Getters podcast. We'd love to hear from you if you have any topics guest suggestions or just want to give some feedback, feel free to reach out. Head to ggmm.io. That's ggmm.io. We've got a nice form on our website. And if you are looking to grow your business and have a big 2021, whether that's through podcasting, digital advertising, or our video services, we would love to hear from you. Again, you can head to our website, ggmm.io. Thanks again for tuning in. Let's get back to the episode. I'd like to ask, both of you, what's the most surreal or coolest moment that you've experienced at Summerfest? Go ahead. You go first. So I, I think that um, it's probably a cool night because as Bob was talking about, some of the, the, the great variety in, in, in music that we book throughout all the different stages on any given day is really uh, spectacular. And this is probably 10 years ago when um, Pitbull was coming up and, and starting to get big. And um, he, was, uh, he was running late and there were some issues going on with his show. And he was uh, going to play at the old Harley Davidson stage before we even remodeled that. And um, at the same time, Clapton was playing in the amphitheater. And I had never seen Clapton. And obviously, I was going to try and prioritize getting to the Clapton show. And it worked out perfectly to the point that when Clapton went on, I watched his entire set. Clapton got on the bus, took off, left for the night. And then I walked all the way over to the Harley stage to see Pitbull, who was up and coming. And then I got to see the most 
broad variety of music in that one night, going from a Clapton show and enjoying all the classics to jumping up and down and partying with a bunch of people uh, in, yeah. the, in, in the old Harley stage listening to some Pitbull music. So it was uh, really an unforgettable night, and uh, you can't get that experience anywhere else. No. Yeah, and as Bob alluded to earlier, that's part of the beauty of Summerfest, all the different genres and the eclectic lineup. It really has separated this festival apart. Bob, you've got to have some good moments in your your decades. Got there. a lot. I got a lot. You know, there, there's the Stones playing here and how we got that date, and there's McCartney. There's all that kind of stuff. But I always go back to way long time ago when Pearl Jam was starting out, and they had a battle with a ticketing company, which now is Ticketmaster, which was Ticketron at that time. And we had two sold-out shows in the amphitheater. I mean, it was balls to the wall. It was just crowded as it can possibly be. Every, every possible ticket was gone. And about a week before that, they call us and said, shows are off. Shows are off because we're having a battle with, with Ticketron and the fees are too high. And I said, okay, and I hung up and I was like in shock. And I sat with our, with our marketing person at the time and we dug everything up and said, look, we are the cheapest ticket cost for, for uh, if, you, if you buy a ticket on Ticketron, our uh, um, fees are the lowest in the country. It was at that time like $2 or something. Like they said, you can't find a better deal than this. You can't. And we pounded on it. We pounded on it. We pounded on it for 48 hours. And at the end of 40 hours, they said, you're right. We'll do your two dates. That's the only two dates we're doing in America. Right. So they came. And the first night after all of that, we were standing in the wings and the band hit the stage and the crowd just... <laughs> Right? And just, just noise. And they went, that's why we do this stuff. That's why we do the concert business that we do for moments like that. Now, a little aside for surreal part of that story, when I'm negotiating that deal, I'm sitting with my, not my kids, which were at this time like six and four, and I've got them by myself in a little restaurant, and I'm trying to serve them dinner. And I'm dealing with a, like a million-dollar deal on the phone with five people and I've got my kids wearing I'm going, don't touch that, don't touch that, leave that. I'm, and at the same time, I'm doing <laughs> And I got done and hung that up. I went, that's the most amazing moment of my life right there. <laughs> Bob, do you, you've obviously been very successful at this. Do you have any, any business advice? We have a, an audience that there are a lot of business people in the Milwaukee community. What, what overarching advice would you have? At the end of the day, which is a saying I hate to use when I'm using it at the end of the day. At the end of the day, people have to realize out there, in any business that they're in, as far as if they own a corporation that's not even in the music business, the live moment for the majority of the people that work for them or the majority of the people that they do business with in the world, the live music moment will never go away. That energy of being in front of a massive crowd and the production of being able to have a light show and the sound and that, those moments will never go away. People still need that visceral feel, that feeling of the, of the bass hitting their chest, you know? That's just magic. And I think people should always take that into account. From, we look at it from like a sponsorship side. If you want to buy Summerfest tickets and have your people come down, those moments are important. Um, and anybody else that thinks about getting into the business, it's a little more challenging now because... You know, the world has, has gone into two major companies, if you will, and it's hard to get into, into the promoting side of that. But people are in school should, should join their concert clubs, think about going to uh, study music, business, law. I mean, all of those pieces 
are out there and people can still have a, have a great career. And it's a very, very rewarding career, I think. So. Bob, you, you touched on the, how the landscape is changed and it has changed dramatically over the years with streaming being so prominent, artists relying more on tours and concerts for, for revenue. How, how has this kind of changed your job over the years? Well, I think it's, it's changed from a marketing side. That is for sure. I mean, the world of, of, of marketing and how you market shows uh, has changed dramatically. I, I think you can still, you still see terrestrial radio working for country, if you will, and a, and a few other genres. But by and large, you have to grab that social audience that every band has. Some of these, some of these bands you're working with have like millions of people that follow them under social. So you got to be able to grab that, and that's how you can really market your tickets to, to an event such as ours or any event out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about the headliners a little bit, other than a couple of my personal favorites from back in the day, Kesha and Flo Rida. Are there any? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I don't know if I want to admit that on the show. Get the two of them to work together. The yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly excited that they're going to be here this year. Any breakout artists to watch on the side stages that people may not be familiar with? Black Pumas. Black Pumas are a band you don't want to miss, and they're on the BMO stage. I brought my schedule just for this week. Love it. I have too many bands to remember when they are, but they are on, is it the last day, I believe? Black Pumas are on the last night at the BMO Pavilion, and it just, it's a show that people don't want to miss. I think that's an up-and-coming couple band. of stars. Yeah, younger man. Yeah. Very cool. You got any favorites? Talking to Jason now, you got any favorites? Of course, but I mean, you're, you're, you're the one that's trying to poke, uh, point out all of these uh, up-and-coming bands oh. that everybody needs to Who see. Do you want but besides besides uh, Florida and Kesha, on if the, you're going on in the, Florida on direction, <laughs> Nelly. <laughs> I do like Nelly too from back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. DJ Diesel. I don't know who DJ Diesel is. Shaquille O'Neal. Maybe I'm not. Oh, oh yeah, you guys got Shaq coming. Shaq's coming. I want to see him mosh. What do you think, huh? <laughs> I've Jack, heard, dive heard. off the Miller stage. I think that'd be interesting. He's actually a legitimately solid DJ, yeah, isn't he? Right. Oh, yeah. He does this all the time. Yeah, you guys aren't messing around this year. We, we, we've had, now we'll have Shaq as a DJ. We had Paris Hilton as a DJ, covering all our bases. I think I remember the Paris Hilton. That might have been that. That was like 10 plus years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, probably maybe about 10. I think it, twice. it was on the Harley stage. And uh, you, you always see stories about Paris Hilton. You think she's this snooty thing but uh she's the most pleasant person she was scheduled to do 50 minutes 45 minutes out she comes backstage and says can i do another 20 we said yeah get on out there have a good time so she was great she was great did you pick your band yet oh i mean so green day is on my bucket list so oh, i, so I have to say green day but that's not like an up-and-coming band that's no that's they're not <laughs> I, 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 did, I, didn't, I didn't give up and coming artists either we will leave that to bob fair I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Um, what do you guys consider a successful summer fest? Third weekend of September is over. You're looking back on everything a little bit. The dust is settled. What do you guys consider a success? Um, a, nobody gets seriously hurt. That's important to us. B, the audience has a great time. C, we don't lose any major headliners, which is always a worry that we all have. And then D, we make budget. But... It's, it's the charm of the festival is it's this event for the people of southeastern Wisconsin. And we want to make sure they all come there and they all have a great time. And when we sit back when it's over 
and we count the money up, but we're also out there looking at, at the people that came out and what they're saying about the event. And if it came across as a great festival and everybody had fun and everybody saw bands they liked, it's no better than that, right? Yeah, agreed. I mean, just getting everybody back down to the lakefront to enjoy the lakefront, enjoy the live events. I mean, making it through that event and then that feeling that everybody has at the end of Summerfest and wishing that there was more and wishing that they saw this show or that they wanted to come back and, and see some more shows and just wanted to keep it running. Just returning to that feeling and, and, and partying down on the lakefront because it's, it, it, it's an unforgettable experience that can't be re replicated anywhere else and it only happens once a year. So being able to return to that feeling and get that hype and excitement back up is is what I'm looking forward to the most and hoping for at the end of September. You know, it's interesting for us is we're so used to putting this together a certain way. And that way usually is Summerfest runs June, July. And then there's all kinds of ethnic festivals and concerts after that. And then we finish and see how the summer went and we move forward getting ready for the next year. This year, we've got all this stuff in front of us, right? Because at the last minute, everybody decided, okay, we're going to be able to go in fall of 21 here. And everybody cranked it up and then all these concerts happen and some ethnic festivals happen. And then finally, you get to us. We're kind of like the last event of the season, which is way different than what we're used to. Mm -hmm. And can you guys touch, Milwaukee's gotten a good amount of national attention recently with the Bucks run. We're obviously going to have the DNC. Hopefully we'll still have that in the last three years. A lot of new developments have come around, not only the Deer District, but NM, the other stuff popping up in the city, a lot of a lot of new developments. How, how important is the new amphitheater to just the city overall and Milwaukee really turning into a world-class mid-market city? Well, I think when you look at... Uh at the city, and we can start with venues, I suppose. And a city of our size needs multiple venues for multiple reasons, right? I mean, you need you need an an arena, a large arena for your sports teams. That goes without saying. And when you have when you have a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, it has great as they are, and winning the national championship, and you can see what that does to the energy of a city. The DNC. I'm so sorry that that didn't happen. Hopefully, like you say, we can see that come down the road, but but Milwaukee was ready and keyed up and pumped up for that to happen. So that there's this big letdown for that too. But the Bucks kind of brought it back and showed what the city has. Um, you you have indoor buildings that hold 2,500 people and one that holds 4,000 people and one that holds 5,500 people and one that holds 8,000 people. So, I mean, you have all these venues indoors, but as you saw from the Deer District, People want to go outdoors in the summer, and we have a window of nice weather. And during that window of nice weather, people do not want to sit inside. They want to be outside, and they want to have fun. So the Summerfest grounds are there for that. I mean, you, people come down to all the ethnic festivals in the summer. People come down to Summerfest down there. And the amphitheater gives you a chance to put these big shows in that may, for whatever reason, not want to play a stadium or may, for whatever reason, not want to play a different amphitheater in the state, if you know what I mean. So... Our job is to have this downtown venue for the city of Milwaukee that can put 25,000 people outside and have them comfortable and have a big name show in there so we fit right in that wheelhouse. Jason, do you, do you have anything to add on how the amphitheater, unlike other venues that people could play at in or around the city, is really built for music first and the difference of yeah, that? Yeah, of course. I mean, this, this building was built exclusively for music. So when you start looking at um, some of the different configurations and technical aspects and whether we get into the removable stage or the, the, the sound and the lights and the floor space, 
This building was really built for any concert that is traveling to go into any type of building. So um, when we talk about shows like Green Day and the Hella Mega Tour, and we're trying to book that band and that tour and get them into this building, they previously wouldn't have been able to play on our campus because we didn't have a building that they would fit in. But trying to find ways that have uh, the most flexibility to allow for an arena show that would be on tour normally in the winter or going into only basketball arenas, but for us to be able to have some of the flexibility inside of our venue with the flat floor, removable stage, opportunity to incorporate elevators and different production amenities. This building works like an arena. It works like a stadium. It works like an outdoor shed. We can put more people in this building and everything is designed around that one focal point of that stage and creating those sight lines and that focal point around that stage it's not like a concert that's playing inside of a baseball field or a concert that's inside of a basketball arena that's built for a different purpose. Everything that we did here was built for music. The acoustics, the sight lines, the video, all of the production amenities. And our shows here are an unforgettable experience that have better sight lines and better experiences <laughs> that, that we really uh, can't be replicated in other types of venues that aren't built exclusively for music. And I want to end on this. Bob, you've been here for 44 years. Jason, 17. What what are you most proud of or what's been most rewarding working for Summerfest? Me first or you? Uh, oh, I'll go because uh, you, right. you you have the longer tenure. So um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have a little Slide bit longer time to think about. But um, from, from my perspective, it's this building. I mean, this building, um, building the new American Family Insurance Amphitheater was a dream of mine. This is uh, doing live entertainment venues is actually what I wanted to do when I went into college, um, trying to work through finding ways to um, create that unforgettable live experience, that, that, that idea of camaraderie and, and space where everybody's kind of collected together and, and enjoying one show or, or one experience together. You can't replicate the experiences um, like you do in these live entertainment venues. So. From my experience, the, the the pinnacle of my career has been the construction of this American Family Insurance Amphitheater. I mean, I've I've rebuilt ten stages on this campus uh, over that tenure, and um, each one of them is great and has its own different and unique experience. But building a venue for twenty four thousand people to put on these massive shows and and and, and this incredible experiences is, is something that I'll never be able to beat. And uh, I'm just super excited about it, super proud of it, and I, I can't wait for everybody to come down and check it out because there, there's a lot that we're proud of and, and a lot that people really need to see because it's not it's nothing like the old building. For me, um, when I first started in 77? 77, 78, something like that. And uh, this place was mud. If it rained, you threw straw down in the mud to try to get it to dry out, and that would start to smell with stages. Um, if you went to the rock stage in those days, it was some wooden platforms on cement cinder blocks. That was, excuse me. That was, the, that was the stage, and that was the technology that you had at the time. Um, the, o- the old main stage, as we talked about earlier, it was, it w- it was a dis- disaster. My first, my first year, my first cancellation were, that, of a big show was The Grateful Dead, which I think was in 78 because it was raining, and the stage was so wet. They were afraid if they went on onto on the stage and stood there in tennis shoes and touched the mic with their nose, they'd end up in the fifth row because they get electrocuted. So those days are all gone. And now you find yourself in a facility 
through those, all those years and all the rebuilding and all the work that Jason's done to make this place look spectacular, and Don Smiley making this place look spectacular through the years in the rebuilding process, that there's nothing like this anywhere else in America, let alone the world. All the other festival sites are just temporary. They come in, they throw up some stages, they tear them down when they're done, and, and whatever happens, happens, you know? We, this is home for us, and it's important for us to feel like everybody that comes here, we're not just the landlords of the building, they're just coming to visit our home. And when they come here, they have the most beautiful spot in America on a lake, on the Great Lakes, backed up to water. Anybody that ever comes here, any band that plays here, any agents that come here, take one look and go, this is just amazing. I mean, you're in downtown Milwaukee and you've got a site like that with all these stages and an amphitheater and a mini amphitheater with the BMO Harris Pavilion. It's what, we, what we've created here is just spectacular and it's a... It's great for the, the city of Milwaukee, and it's great for southeastern Wisconsin, and we couldn't be prouder of it. You know? we'll, we'll end it there. Bob, Jason, thank you guys so much for coming on today. Also, thanks, Sarah, for making this happen. No problem. And thanks to your team for uh, all the great work you guys do putting this festival on every year. And thanks to you guys. Make sure you uh, keep punching Summerfest up. We yeah. love it. Absolutely. Thanks. thanks for having us. All right, we're going to end it there. Thank you for tuning in today. And a big thank you to Jason Stewie and the legendary Bob Babish for coming on this episode, as well as the team over at Milwaukee World Festival for all the great work they do putting this festival on year after year and for what it does for the city of Milwaukee. Make sure to head over to summerfest.com to grab your tickets. Great lineup this year, new amphitheater. You're not going to want to miss it. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time. <laughs>